Welcome to the Panel Scanners, the podcast where we talk about nerd culture and comics. Uh, you know, kind of a thing we've been doing for a long time now. Speaking of long time, my long time co-host Darren is with me tonight. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing well. That is a closer segue to my introduction than you think, because speaking of long time, welcome to the first episode of Season 10 of the Panel Scanners Podcast. That's impossible. This is our 10th season, uh, July 2012, and by the end of this year, we will hit, will hit uh, by the end of this season, we will hit our 10th year anniversary of our very first podcast, which was July 2012, so yeah, 10 seasons and counting, so I'm excited, this, is, uh, this has been nothing but fun for me, and I think now we've, all of a sudden, we've got a crew, man, we have got a crew, so I'm excited. They're chasing down the Simpsons. Woof. Never that. <laughs> if we're still doing this in whatever, 40 years, that would be impressive. I know it's not been 40 years. I'm just throwing it out there. But thanks for that, Gary. How are you doing tonight, man? Uh, I've been worse. Been worse. Got, got a little boo-boo going on. Other than that, not too bad. Apparently 10 Boy. years is not impressive enough for Phil. We had to go 40 before it's impressive. No, I said 40 would be terrible. Like, I don't think you listened. You did not say that. You said it would be impressive. You need to listen. You need to listen. Also, chuckling in the background, Matt. How are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing wonderful. We had a beautiful stretch of weather here while folks were away here in Ohio, so I've been able to ride the bike quite a bit, and I got the chance to meet Darren, uh, who ridiculed me to no end with my motorcycle outfit, so I appreciate that, Darren. (laughs) I do want to see photos of this or the outfit in general because I'm sure I'll have jokes. All it is is a gingham shirt. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Nothing fancy. It's a, you look like a lumberjack. You had oh. stretchy jeans over like football pads or something. Those are my fancy pants, guys. And by <laughs> the way, he lectured me about assless chaps. He's like, all chaps are assless, Darren. I'm like, well, excuse me, Matt. Which, by the way, he was not wearing. Which I, I, mean, I was expecting this, much. by the way. That's what disappointed me. He showed up in like khakis. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, I think Darren expected full leathers with like tassels yes. off the handlebars. Oh, that's what he told me. I was thinking Easy Rider, man. I was He's like, saying. I was thinking the handlebars are going to be way up above your head. You're going to have a, yeah. uh, um, I don't know, man. It just, you know, you're first of all, you're much larger than your bike. Uh, you do know this? <laughs> are you aware of this? Larger than my bike? Yeah. What do you mean? You were sort of towering over this thing. I mean, you're a big dude anyway, oh. right? What are you like, six three? Six two. Six yep. two. Okay. So, but I mean, I, I was, I was. It's cool. It was a good bike. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to take anything away from you. Uh, but it was a really cool bike. But it's just sort of <laughs> like, huh? Look at that. All right, buddy. You do you. Yeah. Man. Darren did text me and say he assumed that you would be in a full biker getup with assless chaps, and I'm just I'm just let down. I'm just let down, Matt. One thing we can say, it was a much more effective meetup than the previous time we had tried to do so. One hundred percent. This time there were no accidents, and so positive. You made it all the way. <laughs> positive, positive and step in the right direction. Judging by it. our conversation now, you made it home. <laughs> One would assume. We could be talking to Matt's ghost right now. Who is that? Glitch in the Matrix, guys. Glitch in the Matrix. I like that we all made a face and then realized very quickly that this is an audio medium. <laughs> so, 
Uh, that last voice is our newest added host, Mark. So that means that we have a Max and a Mark. How are you doing tonight, Mark? I'm doing great. Been here a few times before guesting and super excited to be on the panel now. Yeah. I have All right. to talk to you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time I send something over to Mark, he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Right. This just came out. Yeah, I wrote it. And that's why it. he's here. See, we needed to bring someone else on that could actually talk to you about Transformers while the rest of us glaze over. I think, I think it was incredibly important. Once in a while, Gary does pull out something Transformers, and I double take and say, How did I not know that? <laughs> well, I'd it say happens. It's, although, it's rare, but it happens. Although your 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 collection there is quite impressive, Gary does have something as we were describing over his shoulder there that you're just like, well, right now you're in the lead, Gary. That is for sure. He's got the life size Unicron. I know it's not life size, but it's just, I, find me one that's bigger than that. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> See, it's my turn to have my mind in the gutter with what you are saying, Darren. <laughs> Uh, there is a picture of the Unicron on Instagram if you want to check that bad boy out with uh, Gary's Willie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that so, is one of those things, yeah. though. That Unicron, that's one of those things. Like, I have, like, a, you know, a sort of a, because of Mark and Gary in my childhood, I, I sort of have a, a, a casual attachment to Transformers. When I see that thing, I'm like, whoa, that thing is, it is impressive. It is impressive. It almost didn't fit in my car. Yeah, that photo was impressive. <laughs> that photo was impressive too. He couldn't the box you could not get into his uh Volvo, which was uh really at least you I mean uh, yeah, that's he take him a lot of cash, leave with a large box. It's great. Yeah, that is that is this hobby as a collective. Yeah, it is big lot of cash, way too much stuff to show for it. But you know, of. here's the other thing, and I don't know if you feel this way, Mark. Gary doing that sort of almost makes it okay for me to level up too. And that scares me. Like, is that, that is, I don't want to say, I'm not going to give too much away, Gary, but like, that is like, that is as, as big as it gets, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Don't say how much Pretty it much, costs. Yeah. But it's like, I'm thinking like, I had like a little, like I was sort of operating in this lower level. And now I'm like, oh, does it make it okay for me to level up a couple steps here? I'm not so sure yet. And I'm, I don't know what those things are, but I have an idea. No, absolutely. There's some things I was stalking online. I wasn't sure if I was going to buy, and then Gary bought that. I'm like, screw it, I'm buying it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's nothing right, compared so, to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So if my like, wife says anything, I'm just going to point to Gary's Unicron and say, I could have bought that. It's like in <laughs> two years not. when Matt comes home with one of those uh, retractable lightsabers from Disney World. Like, yeah, it was only 900 bucks. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then I guess I'm going to get. <laughs> Gary's like, damn it. All right, what do I got out there? I, huh, I could have got two. No, no. See, and we were worried that we were going to be the bad influences on Gary for buying too many comic books. But it seems <laughs> no, no. like it's the other no, way around. Yeah, he can't he can't complain about that anymore. <laughs> no. We are adults. We make our own kind of adult decisions. Kind of adult decisions. <laughs> Say five guys who are gonna spend the next two and a half to three hours talking about things that are absolutely not adult like. Which is well, why we love it, man. <laughs> Well, yeah. So I guess we should jump into it since we do have a lot to talk about tonight. So while we're away, something big happened, Darren. 
Yeah, and this is a really sad one. This is about as close to breaking news as we get. It happened yesterday. Uh, rest in peace, Richard Donner. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar with Richard Donner, he is the director of Superman the Movie, 1978, 1979. I always forget because the movie shot in 78 and was released in 79. Um, and I, there are so many superlatives to say about Richard Donner. And it's not just about me being a Superman fan. I mean, let's talk about... if uh, Listen, okay, he did Goonies. He directed Goonies. He also is the architect behind the Lethal Weapon series. So if you weren't a Superman fan growing up, you were a Goonies fan. And if you weren't a Goonies fan growing up, you were a Lethal Weapon fan. Or if you're like me, you were a fan of all of it. Famously, um, he fought to cast Christopher Reeve to be Superman when, you know, whatever, you know, think of a bunch of people uh, back in the day, Robert Redford, Sylvester Stallone were who the Ilya and Sally Salkind were wanting to cast as Superman. And Richard Darner just said, this is not going to work. You can't do that. And if you go look at, if you look at the leading men back in the seventies, you're talking like Al Pacino. Um, yeah. Robert Redford. You know, Clint Eastwood, these guys are not going to be Superman, okay? Um, and also, he was given a script by the Salkinds that was way more akin to a Batman 66 than it was what we eventually got. There, Famously, Telly Savalas, Kojak, was going to guest star in the movie as Kojak, which Donner got rid of. He didn't do it. He shot Superman the movie almost Gonzo style. Um... He even got Mario Puzo to rewrite the script. Yes, Mario Puzo of Godfather fame rewrote the script for Superman the movie. Um, listen, along the way, he made an American classic, unknowingly inventing the template for the modern superhero movie, and got canned for his efforts for not enacting the Salkind's vision of the script. Like, again, it was supposed to be silly. It was a silly movie. He went on to have a brilliant directing career, as I just said. Um, listen, Richard Donner is absolutely someone who his DNA is all over the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I've detailed this multiple times before on the podcast. Go look at Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie. The template is obviously Superman the movie. Black Panther. The tone itself all over the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Richard Donner is one of those guys whose influence, I don't think a lot of people know who he is, but his influence is felt to this day. And let's be honest, the Marvel Cinematic Universe took what DC always should have took, taken, and they have perfected that thing. Uh, I think it's a fitting tribute to Richard Donner to say that he is influenced. He has influenced this amazing run that Marvel has managed to put together. Uh, and this is it. This is a sad day, for sure. Richard Donner's absence now is something that I felt. Because, as Phil, I think, will attest, whenever I mention Christopher Reeve, I was always careful to mention Richard Donner. Um, and, the, and the many times I've gone back. If you want to know who this guy is, and Mark, you will remember this, he got the opportunity, and I think this has sort of been lost to time. He was fired from doing Superman 2, which he had already started shooting. He was fired, I think it was either the day after the premiere of Superman the movie, because the Salkinds were upset that he did not enact their vision of the script. 
didn't realize at the time that they had the number one movie in the year. It was going to be nominated for multiple Oscars. But the damage had been done. Years later, decades later, they found the footage that he shot for Superman 2. Um, and they gave him the opportunity to go back and give us his version of Superman 2, which is stunning. It, I'll be willing to say, it may be the best Superman movie. Besting all others. Um, and there's a featurette in there with Richard Donner, who almost tears over saying that, I wish Christopher Reeve was here. He had passed away two years earlier. This is what it was supposed to be. And he even hints like it was supposed to be this and so much more. There's even hints of what he wanted to do for Superman 3, which involved Brainiac. Um, and it's one of those things. And at one of the point, he says, these wounds have not healed. He had envisioned this maybe almost like an early template for what was the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was going to go big with this thing. And... I know Mark at one point, I did a website years ago, and Mark actually wrote a terrific review for Superman 2. I don't even know if you remember this, uh, Mark. I do. For the I Richard do, Donner cut. And I remember you watching this going, oh my God. Oh my God, this is amazing. It was it was absolutely it, stunning. It completely changes the tone of the entire film, and you wonder what Donner could have done had he finished shooting the film instead of being forced to use some of the extremely cheesy and campy sequences recut that yeah. is replacement had done and he he still did an amazing job with that <laughs> yeah and one of the things was, i'll uh, always remember stunning. was the the fight in the city in the original theatrical version of superman 2 was played for laughs and the fight in the city in richard donner's cut is scary and you're and, and it listen one of the things i mentioned was richard donner's relationship that he built between superman and jor-el in the richard donner cut when he becomes Superman again, you just jump out of your chair and cheer for him. It's sad to see him go. He was 91. He was working with Danny Glover and Mel Gibson on Lethal Weapon 5. Um, I reported that probably about six months ago. And we don't know what will become of that. I would presume at this point it's probably not going to go forward. Because, you know, I know Danny Glover and Mel Gibson have come out in the last 24 hours and stated that, you know, this is a really sad day. So Richard Donner, rest in peace. I think he is, uh, he could be on one of our Mount Rushmore's for what we talk about on this podcast. Perhaps as a fitting tribute to Richard Donner, Richard, or HBO is going to be pumping out a Superman cartoon later this year called My Adventures with Superman. And during a recent conference on the children's tele on children's television, WWE President Tom Ashheim enthusiastically described the upcoming Superman cartoon as directly influenced by the Reeve Donner films. He went on to say that the romantic comedy element is going to be a staple of the show. The story is classic Superman with Clark Kent, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, all working for the Daily Planet, Lois will not know Clark is Superman. So I think there's a lot to look forward to here. Obviously, we have Superman and Lois, which has been a surprise hit. But it is more modern Superman 
Superman and Lois have been together about 20 years at this point. But this is going to be, uh, turn back the clock and go back and do classic Superman storytelling, which I'm very excited about. And that's not all. More Superman in, on, in cartoon form as Smallville Animated has been not necessarily officially announced by the studio, but Tom Welling, Smallville's Clark Kent from 2001 to 2011... Yeah, I still forget that thing ran for 10 years. Um, announced on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, Inside of You, which is a really good podcast, by the way, if you ever get a chance to listen to it, that the two are collaborating on bringing a follow-up to Smallville, a cartoon, to life. Rosenbaum was, of course, Lex Luthor to Tom Welling's uh, Not Superman. While few details have emerged, it is thought to be a sequel to the series with most, but clearly not all, cast members reprising their roles. Hard to figure where Willing, where it's kind of hard for me to figure where Tom Welling places on the Superman depth chart at this point. So if he gets a chance to kind of voice himself as Superman, it'll be nice to see this. I think it's something that the fans want. Listen, Smallville's been gone for 10 years. And that thing seems to have a lot of love attached to it. It's still people still talk about that very lovingly. Um, so I'm excited. There's a lot of Superman, as I was saying to Phil a while back. Um, <laughs> I went through some very lean years with this guy. While Phil had an embarrassment of riches, so I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of excited this. But that's not the only DC news that HBO has announced. It is not. Uh, HBO Max's upcoming Green Lantern series has reportedly cast Tobias Menzies as Sinestro, the former Green Lantern turned villain. Uh, Menzies played Edmund Tully on Game of Thrones. Uh, if that doesn't place his face for you, he's the one that got married during the infamous Red, Red Wedding. Uh, he's also played Frank and Jack Randall in Outlander and Prince Philip recently on The Crown as well as other roles on Doctor Who, Black Mirror, Star Wars Rebels, and others. Um, if this announcement becomes official and is confirmed, uh, he will be acting alongside Finn Whitlock's Guy Gardner and Jeremy Irvine's Alan Scott. Uh, the series has yet to receive a premiere date, but it is going forward. And that's all I got to say about that. Perfect. Things not moving forward, unfortunately, are going to be something Rangers of the New Republic. So Gary had sent this link back to me uh, a while back before our last uh, while you were away, but I failed to put it on there. So I'm going to go ahead and bring it up here now. Um, so we did get official word that Rangers of the New Republic is being shelved right now. So showrunners David uh, Filoni and um, oh shoot, John Favreau are not going to be running forward with the show. We can still expect uh, things like the Acolyte, the Ahsoka series to run. Uh, of course, we got the Book of Boba Fett in the, around Christmas time this year. Uh, but unfortunately, looking forward, um, and just to be clear on this one, it does have to do with the Gina Carano news. Obviously, she was going to be a major role in the new series because she received the title of Ranger of the New Republic towards the end of season two of The Mandalorian. So disappointing news all around here. I was really kind of excited to see where that went. But of course, uh, there should be no news to uh, no new news to anybody who follows Star Wars beat as they announced this. I believe it was back in May, but just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention. Um, moving over to Batman, Mark. Oh, well, Batman, we might have Michael Keaton returns news here. 
Uh, Michael Keaton, 69, is returning in DCU's The Flash. Sources seem to hint they might be a permanent president uh, presence a la Nick, uh, Sam Jackson's Nick Fury in the MCU. Sources say he's signed on for at least three additional films with WB. A photo also shared by director Andy Machete of The Flash shows the classic black and yellow bat symbol with blood splatter on it as a Watchmen reference, it would seem. Uh, some people are thinking that means it's going to be a crossover in the film. Others think it's just an homage because Michael Keaton's a classic older superhero, and that's the subject of Watchmen. Uh, but quite frankly, knowing that the Doomsday Clock storyline in DC Comics involved Batman and Flash in a crossover with the Watchmen, and that the Flash film borrows heavily from Flashpoint and the idea of playing with timelines, hey, anything's possible. Also, uh, DC is apparently open to more Affleck Batman. Rumors have taken off on the net saying that they're leaving the door open for him to return, despite his insistence that he was done as Batman. He seems to keep drifting, drifting back to it, first in the Snyder Cut of Justice League, again in the upcoming The Flash alongside Ezra Miller and Michael Keaton, as well as some reports saying that he's interested in voicing Batman in animation as well. However, it uh, should be noted that any future for Batman, whether it be Keaton, Affleck, or Robert Pattinson, is up in the air with the merger with Discovery still pending on the horizon. They could very well just easily trash everything and start over again. So nobody's quite sure what they're going to do with that. <laughs> and uh, we now have some details that Joker 2 is going forward with director, co-writer Todd Phillips making a deal to return. Um Nah, kind of a lukewarm reception online for that one. Uh, I think a lot of fans don't really think that needed a sequel. I'm going to be honest, I'm one of them. Um, I, I thought Joker was a fantastic movie. I just wish it hadn't been called Joker because it had literally nothing to do with DC Comics at all, except for the words Gotham City and some name-dropping of Wayne's. <laughs> it was a fantastic movie about mental illness. It was a very hard-hitting psychological movie. I think uh, part of the problem of making a sequel with this is with him being the Joker, it removes the moral ambiguity that made the first film such a really thrilling watch because there's points where you root for him. There's points you feel bad that you're rooting for him because this guy's obviously not right. And it's just there's a play on your own emotions as you're watching it. that I, I just don't see how they can recapture that now that they've moved forward with the character at the end of the film. I've still yet to see it. You need to. I, I, oh yeah, oh, it's definitely so good. good. Yeah, like, like I said, it does a really good job. Yeah, fantastic movie, fantastic direction, fantastic performances. I just wish it hadn't been called Joker. <laughs> well, going from a lukewarm sequel or reception to a sequel to a person who I think we discussed the sequel to Wonder Woman, that Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, their director Patty Jenkins uh, is moving forward with Rogue Squadron. Um, so in a recent interview, she stated that she was free to tell her own story. And uh, one of the things that she pointed out that I thought was actually going to be really refreshing is it, call, it calls back to no specific character uh, that's existing in the Star Wars storyline, nor is it a callback to any video games or comics or anything like that. This is due to be a completely original story happening in this particular universe. And I found that really refreshing. Uh, I know that Darren and I have talked about it at great length. He was very, very happy with The Last Jedi which allowed Ryan Johnson to kind of uh, go uh, hog wild with creating a, a, an independent story. Um, so, yeah, I, I never cease to throw that in there. Um, and I'm probably going to throw it in there later just for funsies. Um, but, yeah, no. So just exciting to see a, a really good director kind of be able to go through with Star Wars and really kind of put her touches on it. So I'm excited to see what happens. 
Phil. Yeah, going from something that you're excited about to something that I'm excited about but still a bit apprehensive about. Um, one of my favorite anime growing up was Cowboy Bebop, and they're doing a live-action version of that for Netflix. And the whole time I've been very, very cautiously optimistic. Uh, but we did get some good news on the front of that show that Yoko Kano, the musician from the original series, is officially going to do the musical score for the live action uh, TV series. So that is all good news. And hopefully that will say good things for the show itself. Um, but again, going to stay optimistic because live action anime do not tend to be the best. I think it all hinges on the casting of Ayn. <laughs> yeah. I'm nervous that they'll just make them computer animated. Which would be bad. Yeah, needs to be a real corgi. <laughs> yes. For anyone not familiar with the show, Ayn is a very charismatic corgi that runs around with the crew. On other news, this is actually a little bit surprising. Amazon Prime announced at the end of June that they will be going forward with a season two of Good Omens. Based off of the second unfinished novel of... Uh, that was originally written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Um, we do know that Michael Sheen and David Tennant will be returning in their roles. It will be six episodes, so not overly long in the teeth. But if it is anything like the first season, I think it should be pretty good uh, rendition. And I feel that uh, Neil game and will not allow it to be terrible since he is so hands-on but we will see and only time will tell so again cautiously optimistic but excited nonetheless but darren i know there's some stuff that you're excited for well there's something that's gotten under my skin but i'll tell you this there's about from somewhere around december 2017 maybe january there's about an hour and 10 minute episode of this podcast that'll tell you how I felt about The Last Jedi. All right, let's just get that out of the way right now. Oh, get over it. <laughs> Matt, I'll make you, you're, I'm going to get you for this one. Don't you worry. Uh, Darren said on a scale, I asked Darren if he, how he would rate it on a scale of one to four stars, and he said four, he said five stars, actually. He was, he was very enthused about it. Yeah. How many times did you see it in the theater, Darren? Once too many. <laughs> yeah, so apparently, uh, Matt, I, I, he has the Star Wars beat. I'm not so sure he's well because uh, he likes jerk Mark Hamill, jerk Luke Skywalker. I don't know. I liked my Luke Skywalker as a hero, but that's just me. I didn't think Joey Ramone was the scariest villain. I kind of like Darth Vader, but that's just me. All right. Um, but you know who might make a great villain? Skeletor. And in fact, we may eventually get this thing. So, and the biggest bit of non-news I have this month, because let's be honest, one of my favorite things is to deliver non-news, is the MOT movie going to Netflix. That was a big announcement this week, which was also a big announcement like a year ago. But after years of development, heck, Masters of the Universe is no longer being developed at Sony Pictures. Rumors broke late last year that Netflix was in possession of the rights to the film. It certainly seems plausible with the eminent debut of the new cartoon. And another later this year is coming as well. 
Now, pretty much all the reliable sources are confirming that the film is currently in development at Netflix, and the movie will focus on Prince Adam's development, connection to Skeletor, and his journey towards He-Man. I kind of feel like Netflix is really trying to make this one of their big uh, franchises, so I, I'm going to, you know, where I predicted many times before things that would not happen did happen. I feel like this thing's probably on its way to uh, happening at some point. We will see. Uh, more Masters of the Universe news. And man, we are just around the corner from Masters of the Universe Revelation. Here we go. Two trailers are now out for the new Kevin Smith-led Masters of the Universe cartoon. There has been some confusion about what this is. Or people were concerned, myself included. I think Mark and I actually had a conversation about this briefly about a week or so ago. About this being a follow-up. Masters of the Universe Revelation to the 1984 Filmation cartoon because this people are saying this feels like a little bit more adult fare. Let's be honest. According to Kevin Smith, Masters of the Universe Revelation, which debuts on January July 23rd, is 100% a sequel to the original 1984 Filmation cartoon. Uh, but there's no really no word on what the series is going to be rated. Clearly, this thing is being built to satisfy adults who have hungered for more of the show, but is it going to be appropriate for kids? Kevin Smith recently included on social media a post of each of the five episodes we're getting in Wave 1, um, and it's accompanying homage. So, he has listed episodes 1 through 5, and he has given us movies that he feels best fit the tone and he even went so far as to say he, he may have followed the, the, the beats from. So each episode is an homage to a particular 80s movie. Episode 1 is an homage to Superman 2. Episode 2 is an homage to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Episode 3 is an homage to Batman 89. Episode 4 is an homage to Hellraiser. And episode 4... Five is an is an homage to an '80s action flick. Anyone want to take a guess at which one? Cobra. Terminator. <laughs> '80s. '80s fantasy action. Lethal weapon. '80s fantasy action. Blade Runner. Well, you're going to be surprised. This one. <laughs> Masters of the Universe 1987. Oh. Um, oh. So wow. I was sort of looking through this, and I went, okay. Just thinking if I'm going to be able to watch this with CJ. Superman 2, Temple of Doom, Batman, Hellraiser. Well, that answers a lot of my question about the show. But you know, what if... What if He-Man were in another universe? Okay. No, I, I see where you're going with that, but I was kind of expecting to come at it from a different side. Um, Chadwick Boseman will be playing Black Panther... One final time. Sort of. Uh, there is confirmation that Chadwick voiced the character for an upcoming production before his passing. Uh, that production was multiple episodes of Disney Plus's What If series. Uh, Bozeman voiced T'Challa, but not necessarily as Black Panther. Uh, in one What If, he becomes Star-Lord and runs not Wakanda, but is the leader of the Ravagers taking the place of Peter Quill, uh, reforming the bandits on the side of good. Uh, but that is not all. Like I said, he has recorded, I think they, it was four or five episodes of the What If. 
So there may be more Chadwick Boseman in the not-too-distant future, and only time will reveal that to us. That what-if show is still one of the things that I'm the most excited to see come to fruition on Disney+. And it should be right around the corner. Other things that are right around the corner, and this is actually the nod into my retroactive review later this month, one of the great villains from the 90s X-Men, Onslaught, is returning to the pages of X-Men comics in Onslaught Revelation, which is spiraling out of Simon Spurrier's way of X. It's actually the way that they are going to put a nice little cap on the series, is my understanding. Um, Onslaught is, well, we'll get into Onslaught a little more later in the month. We'll leave it at that. Uh, something else that Marvel is doing that is kind of interesting and seeing that they're trying to get into the year 2021 is that Marvel is launching their own set of NFTs. Are you guys familiar with NFTs at all? Wait a minute. They just jumped down a bunch of their artists' throats about not releasing those. So yeah, they wanted their cut, essentially, is what it was. Gary, didn't you report on that like two months ago? I don't know if I report. I think I may have mentioned it, but I don't think it was like on air. But yeah, they they were jumping all over their artists about not releasing NFTs. Not probably fungible tokens, right, Phil? Not yeah, fungible tokens. tokens which, in, in the grand scheme of things, for anyone out there who are not familiar with NFTs, uh, they are. The, it's basically the concept of being able to sell online things that are unique be them your own writing or art or anything along those lines. Uh, my understanding then, Gary, if uh, Marvel was jumping down their artists' throats about releasing the NFTs of Marvel characters, most likely would be because of licensing issues and the idea that Marvel wanted to be able to attack their own name onto that. Um, these NFTs that they are... Uh, I lost my tab that was going all over it... Um, is going to be their own little cryptocurrency that they want to do through iOS and Android, uh, through VVVEVE digital collectibles app. Um, these would be Marvel NFTs. So they would be rare comic book collectibles, pieces of art, things like that to give everybody that is a Marvel fan yet another thing to collect in this new digital, well, not new, but the digital market. So uh, Dan Buckley, the president, uh, released a thing uh, saying that the beginning collecting has always gone in hand, hand in hand with being a Marvel fan and collecting is about the experience as much as it is the product and the product I'm paraphrasing now and the product now is digital. So they're trying to jump out of that anyway to get their product into people's hands as quickly and expensively as possible. And that is coming from a Marvel fan. So keep your eye out if you're into these things. I'm still trying to convince myself that buying any digital comic books is even me owning comic books. So we'll see. All right, Matt, dig me out of this Marvel hole. <laughs> well, we're going to venture into the Star Wars universe yet again. So um, uh, with the fancy book learning, and if folks don't remember what those are, those are things uh, they are kind of like paper is bound and often given a cover and they've got words in them and you go from left to right top to bottom that's my homage there to tommy boy um but nonetheless uh star wars is leading or is uh releasing another adult 
novel here. So this would again be this would be a follow up to the High Republic, uh, the Light of the. Oh, sorry, just lost it again. Um, sorry, the Light of the Jedi, and that was by Charles Sewell. And remember, that was released back in January. So this is a follow up to that one. This one is called um, The Rising Storm. Again, it takes place during the High Republic uh, and is written by Kevin Scott. So that was released while we were away. A little bit more Star Wars news for us. Got some first glimpse at the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel from the outside from about 200 feet up. So if you're interested, you can go ahead and see what drones look at. Um, but nonetheless, we are seeing construction continuing to develop on the Star Cruiser Hotel. And just in case you guys weren't sure, there have been some prognostications as to how much this is going to cost. We do know that folks are being able to reserve these rooms or will be able to reserve these rooms for two nights stays. I believe it's two nights, three days. Maybe someone can correct me on that one. And the early, early estimates of how much this may cost. Guys, does anybody want to venture a guess as to what they think it might be? Darren. Five grand. <laughs> oh, man. He was Mr. Moneybags over there. No, it was three grand was the original one. And that was oh. uh, that is based on nothing other than previous experiences with Disney, similar Disney properties. Although five grand could absolutely happen because, again, this is not Disney releasing any of this information. This is just uh, folks who are fans of the Star Wars brand and the Disney brand kind of putting their collective heads together and, and making some guesstimates. But just imagine that, guys. For two nights, you could stay at the uh, Star Wars hotel and be immersed in this experience and live like a true Star Wars character for three days there, I believe, for the low, low price of a, of a used cell. Okay, looking at stuff, Disney. Hey, Mark, why don't you, oh, go ahead. If, if you stay there, they throw in a free lightsaber. I heard, yeah, I know. When, when Darren said something about that lightsaber, I was like, it's going to cost more than a couple hundred bucks there. It's going to cost about three grand at least, it sounds like. I, I still hold you're not going to be able to take one home. I think it's going to be like a laser tag gun. <laughs> I, I think it's just going to be for an experience. I don't think you're going to be able to take one home. Well, and that's the concern in general because it, from what I understand, there's only – maybe I'm wrong on these numbers, but like but maybe 140 or 150 rooms. Am I right on that one? Is anybody else familiar with it? Uh, something like that from Super what I was remembering. Small. Like it's yeah. going to be real limited. And, and that's the concern is that we know not every single Star Wars fan can afford to finance their own Star Wars film. So therefore, like, I mean, this is just kind of, at some point or another, you've kind of priced out your, your largest portion of your audience. And I understand some folks will make, uh, you know, uh, they'll scrimp and save and make sure that they get that opportunity to go. But it's really kind of, I don't know. I, I would like to see the price obviously be something a little bit more reasonable. I understand they've got costs and everything like that, but I would like to see prices be a little bit more reasonable so that the, so that the average fan like ourselves could probably go get that and not have to spend uh, an arm and a leg in order to do that. Well, if there's one thing Disney has shown us in the past, they will charge whatever the market can bear. Well, and that's oh, yeah. just it, and there's no reason for them to go down. So, and that's in, you know, Disney... The prices will only increase. Darren? We need to uh, remind ourselves that the lessons that the great John Hammond taught us in Jurassic Park, which is this is not a park for rich people. There, I'm done. Well, maybe we can do what the lawyer says there and give it a double coupon day. Spared no expense. Spared no expense. <laughs> Uh, moving on to Disney theme park news, uh, Avengers Campus is open on the West Coast at Disneyland, offering experiences like Spider-Man Web Slingers, which appears to be just Toy Story Midway Mania dressed up with Spider-Man, and I'm okay with that. Uh, other experiences are the Pim Test Kitchen, which offers some fun uh, food playing with sizes. I, I particularly like the massive, gigantic chicken sandwich nestled in a tiny micro bun, and tater tots the size of your fist from what the pictures looked like. 
Other than that, it looks like mostly character meet and greets and shows, so not something I'd really be interested in. Uh, if I had child, maybe. <laughs> uh, seems like a great experience to take your kids to, though. Bigger news, Disneyland recently offered uh, plans on an expansion. Uh, in 2018, Disneyland scrapped plans for a five-diamond resort on the west side of downtown Disney after a tax subsidy feud with the city of Anaheim. <laughs> after years of Disneyland taking the city relationship for granted, uh, they seem to have realized their mistakes with the new Disneyland Forward project. This plan is going to involve reimagining and expanding Disneyland in Anaheim, California, using existing Disney-owned property in the iconic resort destination. So a uh, recently revealed concept art shows a major expansion for both Disneyland and California Adventure, branching to the west of the parks and surrounding existing hotels, Paradise Pier, and the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, it looks like a pretty significant expansion for both, maybe... Just looking at the aerial shots, they have 25 to 30% expansion for Disneyland and more so for California Adventure. So when you're landlocked like Disneyland is, um, I mean, they definitely learned their lesson when they bought the land for Disney World, buying, I forget how many hundred square miles it was. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Disneyland, however, got landlocked by competing businesses and hotels pretty fast. So if you've ever been there, you'll know it's, it's cramped. Uh, so they will be demolishing existing parking complexes to make way for these new expansions and demolishing the Toy Story parking lot, which is one of the current biggest guest lots in the southeast corner of the property, and turning that into a new downtown Disney center for dining and experiences because they're going to be wiping out a good portion of the existing downtown Disney to the West End. Good luck getting there. Um, yeah, next steps include draft and final environmental impact reports in a public comment period before the plan goes up for planning commission and city council approval. Specific attractions haven't been revealed, and the concept art is intentionally nebulous and vague. Uh, Imagineers, however, have cited in the past that if they had the space, they would love to import attractions from other Disney theme parks, such as Zootopia, Shanghai Disney, Toy Story Land in Florida, and the Tron Light Cycle Coasters. So uh, Disney's uh, really trying to push this forward and get some more. They were originally, uh, everybody expected a third gate, as it's called, for a third theme park. But lacking the room to expand and the relationship with the city might have hampered that as well. Uh, that's not going to happen. So they're doing the best with what they've got. And if you look this up, uh, a lot of the plans look like it looks like a good idea of how they can expand within what they have. So I'm excited for that to take place in the next oh, decade or so. Yeah, that, that's not too far from you, is it? Uh, it's, yeah, about a seven-hour drive. Six, seven hours. Yeah, Florida's closer to us, and that's a flight. So, Oh, if I fly, yeah, if I fly to Disneyland, I'm there in 40 minutes. <laughs> that's uh, not too far at all, if that. It seems like by the time the plane hits uh, altitude, we're coming back down. So That's not bad hey, it was a pretty drive, though. Oh, it is a nice drive. It's actually much better flying, though. Until you hit California, and then it's just like, oh, my God, I hate my life. If you see see California from the highway, you're going to be like, what's the big deal? And you'd be right. Yeah, you know when you cross the border from Arizona to California, because all of a sudden the highways just go to crap. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's It's pretty on TV. It's like jumping off the highway into Parma. Ooh. Ouch. And they know it too. Come on, man. They know their roads are crap. All right. What are you going to be defending Parma here? Sagamore Hills guy? 
No, I, you said Parma, and I said, ouch, because I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. I thought you were like... <laughs> that's all. Like when Phil went harsh, after Mark Hamill. That was, that's, that's, that's what the reaction I thought was. Unnecessarily going after Mark Hamill. That was a... That was I like how you act like I attacked him when I said he had a weak performance at one point in one of those films. You're just you digging can... that hole deeper, man. You, don't, you do not understand. <laughs> you really don't. Like, okay, I, I'll put this out there. When when Stan passed away, it fell to like Shatner and Hamill. Okay, those are the two top dogs now, and you got to be real careful what you say about those guys. I have no beef with Hamill. I think Hamill did a great job. There's a reason I grew up loving Luke Skywalker. However, it is hard to argue that his acting was fantastic through all of those movies. He was a young guy. Jeez. You are the one that keeps bringing it up. I You're know. the one digging the hole. Nope. Hey, Why don't you go watch your favorite movie and enjoy Rilo Kent? Rilo Kent. Oh, I messed that up on purpose. <laughs> Every time I see that guy, 20, 20, 24 hours to go, I want to be sedated. Like when he took his helmet off, I'm like, oh my God, we're afraid of Joey Ramone. Hey, Darren, watch this. Hey, Phil, what'd you think of the Small World ride? Ah, there it is. You try getting stuck on that thing. It's not great. Very painful. Phil, you and I are going to die on that hill together, so don't worry about well, it. You've got a compatriot there in that particular rough, situation. I, I usually pass the time on Small World singing Duff Beer for you. Duff Beer for me. <laughs> I've got that backwards, but you know what I'm going for. <laughs> All right. Phil, I'm not also saying you're wrong. Also in a Disney park, I tend to scream monorail and start singing a lot, so... Monorail, monorail, monorail. What's that called? <laughs> Phil, for the record, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you got to watch out. Because you're putting that out there, man. No, no. I mentioned you keep putting it out there. <laughs> well, that's Despite true, our best man. attempts to change the subject. That's very, very true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, he's Gary, not wrong about that. Gary, talk what? about Transformers. Talk about okay. Transformers. Hey, I, I've reported in the past about a, a number of different uh, Transformers projects that were uh, on the horizon. Uh, one of them, uh, Transformers Beast Wars movie, uh, is now called Transformers Rise of the Beasts and is scheduled to be re to release on June 24th of 2022. Uh, it will be directed by Stephen Cable Jr. Um, I find it interesting, the executive producer, one of them is Steven Spielberg. Uh, it is produced by Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, and Michael Bay is listed as a producer as well. Uh, it was just announced recently that Ron Perlman was announced to be the vo to be voicing Optimus Primal, as oh. he had done in the Power of the Primes uh, Machinima. Did we ever figure out how that's pronounced? Machinima. Machinima series. Um, also announced in relation to Rise of the Beasts, in what I can only describe as the most important news ever, Peter Cullen will be voicing Optimus Prime and will be doing so until Peter Cullen says that Peter Cullen is done voicing Optimus Prime. This comes from Transformers producer Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, who says that the Optimus role belongs to Cullen until he no longer wants it. It doesn't stop there. Uh, D. Bonaventura added that he will be meeting with Cullen to pitch even more Optimus-centric projects. That's more than one projects in the near future in an attempt to grow the Transformers franchise even further. 
one another way they can grow the Transformers franchise even further, Niantic and Hasbro partner on a real-world augmented reality mobile game called Transformers Heavy Metal. Um, from the makers of Pokemon Go comes a new game for the fans of the Transformers. Players will join the Guardian Network, a group of humans bonded together with the Autobots in a war against the Decepticons. As a Guardian, players will uncover hidden regions across Earth to find resources and battle Decepticons in turn-based battles, either solo or with friends. A planned global launch for later this year, Heavy Metal will enter a soft launch in selected markets soon. Uh, there are a few screenshots available, um, all Bumblebee. It really does just look like a Transformers version of Pokemon Go. I mean, just from the, the, the setup, I guess it will depend how the storyline will go. And yes, it will be on my phone. I'm kind of wondering about this, if it's going to involve people running into traffic just like Pokemon Go did, or <laughs> off of cliffs, or into oceans, or will it just be the coding train wreck that the Harry Potter one was? Oh, geez, I forgot about that one. I never played it, but I heard all, such awful things from people. I never bothered. That's what I, I, you heard about it when it came out, and then it just sort of disappeared. Lily uh, was really like excited magic. to try it, and we tried it for like a day, and it was unplayable. It's sad. It was such a great concept. Yeah, yeah it and, is. And, and you get a well-known IP like that, and just crap the bed. Just sad. Speaking of getting well-known IPs, Sony has acquired House Marquee. And if you, for some reason, do not know uh, this publishing company, Darren pointed to himself. Uh, they're most known for Resogun, which was a really, really well-known side-scroller shooter, uh, kind of uh, bullet helly thing that came out uh, last gen. It's hard to say that at this point, 2013. And most recently, they released Returnal for PS5, um, which is a roguelike shooter. Uh, they're, they're pretty well-known. They have a pretty deep catalog. You can dive into their catalog just by doing a quick search of uh, House Marquee. Um, I mean, they, they had their fingers in um, Angry Birds and stuff, too. Um, so kind of across the board of things that... You may have heard in passing, uh, could be a big thing. Having other marketing things on Sony's side is pretty helpful at this point, considering Microsoft has picked up a couple big titles, uh, big companies also. There was a rumor that they were also picking up Bluepoint, but at this point, it seems like that's not the case. Bluepoint's most known for doing the HD remasters of Shadow of the Colossus and Demon Souls. So that's... That has not been verified. There was a slip up through some social media, so it is possible. Uh, I did tack one last video gaming news thing on here because it broke today. Nintendo announced that they are releasing a new Switch console uh, October 8th of this year. It's an OLED system, so clearer screen, larger screen. It's seven inches. It has a built-in LAN cable spot, so you can hardwire your system to your internet, which is something that was direly missing from the original Switch. This is, I guess, the closest thing to the Switch Pro that we will be getting our grubby little hands on. It's coming in a white color and a red, um, but for the most part, it looks like it's the same thing. 
um, just a larger screen on the handheld version. And that's about it. They didn't touch the Joy-Cons. They sold the Drift issue, I'm, ass I'm assuming, if it's the same technology. Uh, a little bit of a letdown, but still, if your Switch's battery is dying, um, which seems to be a somewhat prevalent problem for people that got them at launch, here's an opportunity to pick up a new one. It is going to market at $349, which is $49 more than the base model of the Switch. Uh, so that is all the info that I have for that as of now, because that was literally announced maybe six hours ago at this point of recording. So uh, it's still kind of breaking. You can jump onto YouTube, watch their dumb little trailer that they put out of people sitting on couches playing Smash Brothers. Um, so yeah, as always, a lot happened uh, while we were away. You guys have anything to add to any of these stories before we wrap until later this month. Negatory. I was going to say, hey, silence is deafening. All right. So later this month, then, we are going to have a little bit of a chat with Matt. I like that chat with Matt. We should we should make that a, a segment uh, about movie recasting, things that uh, just superhero movies that we thought could be cast with other people, be it good or bad. It should be an enjoyable conversation. We're bringing back ridiculous comic book trivia, seeming like a thing that we're going to have to start completely from scratch now that Mark is now with us also. Uh, I believe it has something to do with shark movies. And I am doing a retroactive review of X-Men Onslaught as I teased to a little bit earlier in this episode. So, for everyone at the panel scanners, until later this month, enjoy your comics.